0: The Water Values Podcast, Session 3.
1: Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now, here's your host, Dave McGibson.
0: Hello and welcome to the Water Values Podcast. Today I'm speaking with Jen Vervier, the Director of Sustainability and Strategic Development for New Belgium Brewery, the makers of Fat Tire Ale and other fine beers. We're going to learn a lot about New Belgium's use of water in the brewing process, some water efficiency measures they've adopted, some energy water food security nexus issues, and a whole bunch more. This is actually the first interview I recorded in the Water Values podcast series, but the third released, so I hope you don't think I've regressed in my interviewing skills too much. Now, as you know, before we get into the podcast, I need to make a few disclaimers. I'm a lawyer licensed in Colorado and Indiana, and nothing in this podcast should be taken as providing legal advice or as establishing an attorney-client relationship with you or with anyone else. Additionally, nothing in this podcast should be considered a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer that finds water issues interesting and that believes greater public education is needed about water issues. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. With that said, let's get on with it. Open the valves, fasten your seatbelts, and here we go. Hi Jen, and thanks for coming on the Water Values Podcast. Greatly appreciate your the time you're taking here and I'm super stoked to have you on. Uh, if you could please tell us a little bit about your background and ha- how you came to work at uh, New Belgium Brewery.
1: Sure. Um, so I'm Jen Vervier and I'm the Director of Strategy and Sustainability at New Belgium and I've worked at New Belgium for 20 years.
0: All, all as the Director of Strategy and Sustainability? Or what...
1: No, I started when I was in grad school at CSU uh, on the bottling line mm-hmm. um, and when I was uh, studying philosophy, environmental ethics at CSU and then mm-hmm was on the bottling line, and then I became financial manager. I got my MBA in finance and became the CFO, and then I spent some time as the COO and then moved over into sustainability and strategy after that.
0: Could you tell us a little bit about who New Belgium is and a little bit about, uh, so, you know, in a broad sense, sustainability efforts?
1: Sure. Um, at New Belgium, we have a purpose that defines um, why we come to work every day And that purpose is to manifest our love and talent by crafting our customers' favorite brands and proving that business can be a force for good. So it's really important to us, obviously, to make great beer and have people love that beer. And we're passionate about about beer, obviously. But we're also passionate about saying you can be really successful in the conventional sense, in the P&L profitability sense, and make the world a better place. So we are – you know, I'm – I'm an executive director of sustainability. I have four people working for me who work on sustainability, and that's not entirely common. Um, And we do that because we're constantly, how can we minimize our footprint? How can we show other companies that uh, acting this way is not only possible, but actually might make you more profitable and more successful? Um, And where can we use our, you know, we've been fortunate to be successful, and how can we spread that good fortune out into the world to help others Uh, like nonprofits with their causes, to do things that, you know, we wouldn't be able to do as a company.
0: Could you talk a little about how New Belgium Brewery um, approaches sustainability, especially with a focus on water?
1: Um, Sure. So our co-founders were a social worker and an um, electrical engineer. And when they – before they even started selling beer, they uh, went for a hike in Rocky Mountain National Park outside of Fort Collins – and decided how they wanted to run the company, what kind of company they wanted to create. And being environmental stewards was one of their four core values and beliefs. So that was back in 1991. So environmental efficiency, resource efficiency, has been part of how we run the business from the very beginning. And having been founded by an engineer, you know, that's been designed throughout the process with a focus on water and energy.
0: You know, I've seen these uh, campaigns and slogans, you know, no water, no beer. What are some of the things that New Belgium does particular to water, um, you know, how it how it approaches water from a business standpoint?
1: So, I mean, there are many aspects to it. And the first, the most obvious is operational. Um, years ago, uh, 15 years ago or more, we became one of the first craft breweries in the country to hard pipe our operations because it's a much more efficient way to move liquid throughout the brewery than when you're dragging hoses. And we have um, long had process engineers looking at optimizing our cleaning regimens, which is another place where you use a lot of water. Um, so, you know, on the operation side, it's probably very similar to any other manufacturing process in uh, capturing the steam off the kettle, condensing it, reusing it in other brews. Save the, the, there's an energy water nexus in brewing like there is, you know, throughout society. And so wherever we have hot water or steam, we try to capture it and reuse it again in the cycle, saving both energy and water.
0: I'm not terribly familiar with the mechanics of brewing. Could you Talk a little bit. What, what is hard piping? So say,
1: it's literally um, putting pipes on vessels to connect them to other vessels. So when you move the wort or the beer or the cleaning fluids around the brewery, you're doing it through pipes rather than with hoses that you're coupling and uncoupling.
0: Using hoses, typically, there's wastewater in that because when you undo it, there's some spillage. There's water and... in the
1: line, yep, and there's spillage, exactly. Okay. And and they're harder to clean, and so you end up cleaning less efficiently.
0: Okay. And talk about what are what types of cleaning regimens does New Belgium uh, go through, and if you could talk about the water intensity of, of the cleaning regimens.
1: I don't think that I can go into that in good detail for you because that's not my area of expertise. Um, you know, it's just a clean-in-place system that, that runs throughout the entire brewery. Okay. Um, I think that what might be interesting to folks is to know that The way that craft, the craft beer consumer is really in love with hoppy beers. And if you've noticed that, like everywhere you go across the country, there are more and more hoppy beers being sold and more and more people making hoppy beers. It's a very American style at this point. Um, And hoppy beer is a very water intensive beer to make. And so um, New Belgium's actually had more challenges in the last couple of years being water efficient than we ever had been throughout our history when consumers just look. 60% 60% of what they bought, or 70% was fat tire. You have one product that you're running throughout your system, and you are cleaning. You don't have to clean between the brands as often because you're making less brands. And now that we're making uh, two to three dozen brands a year, and many of those brands are very hoppy, uh, it's become more of a challenge to be conscious of our water use. Uh,
0: it's interesting to note that you indicated that hoppy beers are more water intensive. Uh, why is that?
1: Uh, because the hoppy beers that are really uh, with the aromatic hops, you add that at the, the end of the process, and so then you have to get the hops out of the beer before you filter it and um, package it. And so there's a lot of water left in the hops. I mean, it's simple as that. Okay. So you're putting whole hops in, and then you got to take them out, and a lot, of, a lot of water comes with it.
0: Okay. What about the water intensity? I've, on New Belgium's web, website, they have some great uh, infographics about the The water intensity of the of the beer and the kind of the water footprint, could you talk a little about the you know how how much water it takes to make a glass of beer?
1: Um We have done a water footprint, a full um, water footprint from grain to glass, as they say, or from grain to consumer, and we actually don't share that data on our website because um we've found the exercise to be very instructive, although our intuitions were proven true. Growing the barley and growing the hops is where the most water use is. And I think in all food products, all, all consumer products, if they're agricultural, it's in agriculture where the most water is used. And so uh, the water that we actually use in the plant, because um, over, you know, if there are four parts generally, one part goes into the beer. One part maybe or less hopefully is lost through evaporation, um, you know, through steam or in the spent hops or in the spent yeast. And then two parts are cleaned on site and then head back to the municipal treatment plant and then go back into the water supply. So we're not actually consuming that water. We're returning it into the watershed. But in agriculture, that happens less.
0: Sure. So about how many glasses of water you know, under that metric does it take to produce a glass of beer? About four to one. Four to one, mm-hmm. and, there-
1: and one of them you're drinking. One of those four you're <laughs> drinking, and two of them are returned to the watershed.
0: Okay, great. Um, now, in terms of how breweries, you know, look at and decide to locate, uh, what are some of the factors that, you know, for example, why why is New Belgium in Fort Collins, mm-hmm. Colorado?
1: A, a coincidence of history, where where these folks lived, but but it's also true that Colorado makes Second to California, the most beer in the U.S. And I think that we can absolutely attribute that to the quality of our water supply and being at the top of the watershed. So our water is less expensive because it's uh, less costly to treat, and it's really plentiful. Um, And I think that a lot of folks would say that's why there are so many great breweries in Colorado. And uh, we recently at New Belgium have gone through a a multi-year site selection process, and we've chosen Asheville, North Carolina, to build our second brewery. And during that site selection process, which occurred up and down the East Coast, one of the primary factors was availability of water; that they, we couldn't locate in a water scarce area, and then that the water profile matched. It was very similar to the water profile in Fort Collins, so that we could more readily match the flavors of the beer.
0: And w- what kind of process? How long did it take to settle on Asheville? Was, you know, was it a year long process? It's about what, two years. Two years. And mm-hmm. what kind of when you say that the the water profile? Was very similar to what you're you're looking at in the Fort Collins water supply. What are the factors there in terms of you know what what you're looking at?
1: Well, it's pretty. It's it's not. I mean, I'm not a chemist, but it's not that complicated. <laughs> it's not where I from I said it's not that very complicated. But you know, your utility uh, gives you uh, the the water data. The you know how much chlorine or chloramines are in it. Like that's a that's a hugely important for brewers uh, that there isn't too much chlorine. And if a treatment Plant. If a municipality uses chloramines instead of chlorine, that's worse. I think they're harder to get out, and they have more of a flavor impact. And then you're looking at the mineral balance. Are those similar? Um, and then are there any other residuals in the water that will impact flavor?
0: Um, in, in terms of the water supply, I, that's interesting that you, you take your water directly from the municipal water supply. It's,
1: it's, it's, fa- it's a fascinating process. And in order for us to get the water delivered municipally, we have to buy water rights and turn them over to the city. And in the city of Fort Collins, has done a uh, water scarcity study, and where they are now is they say that a developer, which in this case would be us in the unconventional sense, but we're making more of our product, we have to deliver 1.92 times the amount of water that we want to use, and that helps the city of Fort Collins feels Fort Collins feel like it is protected in a one in fifty year drought. So
0: okay,
1: that's a yeah, it's absolutely a big deal. Um, in Fort Collins, in Northern Colorado, recently, you know, we had. Fires two years ago, we had floods last year, and all of those things affect water quality and affect our, you know, affect our watersheds.
0: Sure. Have you done any, taken any special measures uh, as a result of the fires, floods, any of those natural phenomena, disasters?
1: Yeah. Um, We work closely with the city and their water treatment um, operators to be in close touch with the quality of the water that's coming out. And the city in, in turn is um, doing telemetrics up high in the watershed more than they ever had before to have uh, more lead time awareness if something bad is coming down the pike. And um, the city of Fort Collins is fortunate to have water s- sourced from two totally different watersheds. So that provides some um, redundancy. And and then likewise, inside our plant, we've stepped up the tasting. So we have you know t- t- trained tasters that... Um, test the beer throughout the process, test the finished product, as well as test raw materials, and then their testing of the water before we even brew with it is also part of the regimen.
0: Are there certain types of beers that are best produced with a certain type of water? How does the water impact the brewing process if you're trying to brew a lager versus an ale, for example?
1: I believe that as long as you have clean water that you can produce any type of beer, there are... Um, salts or minerals, you can adjust the pH of the water as it goes into the brew house, as you as you mix it with the grain to um, facilitate the enzymatic reactions and get the flavor profile you want at the end. But yeah, the absolutely, um, say, I don't want to say manipulating, but um, <laughs> working with the natural qualities of the water is part of the brewer's art.
0: In terms of what are some of the specific things um, that New Belgium has done Uh, on the water sustainability front. We talked about hard piping. Um,
1: I think that sub-metering is something that we've been – it was on our list of things to do, and we finally got it done a couple of years ago. So putting meters in at each major piece of the process so we can not just know, well, here's how much water we used last month or last week, but – here's how much water it took to filter this beer versus that beer. Here's how much water it took um, to clean the packaging line after this after this run versus that run. And so then our operators on the floor are looking at that live data and they can see an anomaly right when it happens. Like, oh, my goodness, that, that process just used a, a lot more water than it normally does. Let's go on the floor and look and see what happened and how can we control that. And only by getting that kind of visibility into our day-to-day runnings are we going to be able to... Um, Eke out those last, uh, you know, bits of efficiency around water use. So okay. I think that's one of our, one of the things where we're going to harvest throughout the process. Where we're just constantly fine tuning. And then um, another big project for us is is just looking at losses and making sure that we are being the most efficient with the extract that we create in the brew house. So when you take the sugars out of the grain and and the flavors out of the grain. How do we make sure that we're getting the most saleable beer out of that and not wasting any of it along the way, which ultimately is wasting the water that goes through? Uh, Another significant improvement that we implemented was changing to dry lube on our packaging line. And in the first year we did it, it saved over 50,000 gallons of water a year. So instead of having a wet lubricant for all those conveyors that run all those bottles um, throughout packaging, it's now done... Um, dry and the entire floor of the packaging hall is completely dry. And so I would guess that's probably saving us upwards of 70,000 gallons of year in
0: water. Jen, can you talk a little about, uh, you know, wastewater treatment uh, and what goes on at the at the brewery?
1: Mm-hmm. So we treat all of our processed wastewater on site and that reduces um, the BOD, the biological oxygen demand and the TSS, the total suspended solids um, to a very low level so that w- we don't directly discharge into any Water supplies, we still send it to the city, so we have a backup. Like, we feel safer knowing that that water is going to the city, but it's going already pre-treated. And a great uh, benefit, side benefit of that treatment for New Belgium, the byproduct of anaerobic treatment of wastewater is methane, and we harvest that methane. We have two um, you know, massive balloons on site where we harvest the methane from the water treatment plant. We store it, and then we pipe it back up to the brewery and run it into uh, cogens to engines that make both heat and power. So we may, we have a 600-kilowatt engine and a 300-kilowatt engine on site that we run during our peak power times, the coincident peak. So when the municipality is, is peaking, they charge us a heck of a lot more for our electricity um, than at any other time. So if we can offset or lower that peak, then we lower our electric bill by upwards of 30%. So we can produce about 15% of our total energy with the byproduct for on-site water treatment, and but we end up saving close to thirty percent in our electric bill by doing that.
0: That's great. I love combined heat and power. I think it's a fantastic uh, technology and application. Um, could you also talk a little about gray water use and what some of the hurdles are, and what what's coming down the pike in mm-hmm. terms of gray water?
1: Yeah, we have a couple of systems in the brewery where we do reuse process water. So in the cleaning systems, there's, you can reuse it a certain amount of times before it's too uh, loaded up to use again. And in our packaging hall, we take the water that we rinse the inside of the bottle with, we capture it, put it in a bowl, you know, UV filter it, and then use it to rinse the outside of the bottle. So that actually reduces the water used in packaging by half because cleaning those bottles is one of the most intensive uses, but we, have not been able to embrace a more broad-scale water reuse because we didn't pipe the brewery for it. And so for us to now go back and start think, like, well, how do we get water from our process water treatment plant, say, and bring it back to the brewery and use it in cleaning? The cost-effectiveness of that is just isn't there. Um, but as, as you know probably better than I, the, with the recent changes in gray water harvesting um, that the state just passed— we're hoping to work with the city and with CSU to do some demonstrations on how that might become more practicable.
0: Sure, and and that uh, graywater usage uh, statute that you referenced, Reg 86 is being promulgated, uh, but there it's not just going to be state regulation. that has got to comply. The city has to adopt an ordinance allowing it. Um, it's got to not interfere with any water rights, and there there's a bunch of hurdles that need to be. Um, Jumped over before gray water reuse is going to be authorized at least here in Colorado. I know other states are different uh in that in that regard, but uh right. that's exciting that you know you're you're ready to go and and be a part of uh a new chapter of colorado colorado water reuse absolutely <laughs> i
1: mean we um we don't want to damage any property owners you know we don't want to impair any downstream water rights holders, and at the same time it feels like Colorado water law has to evolve a little bit to um to reflect our current reality, you know, water scarcity, the needs of recreationists, the needs of habitat. You know, we're hopeful that we can find solutions that meet everyone's needs while still not harming anyone's property rights.
0: One one other question that's uh, interesting, uh water is such a uh scarce commodity or it becoming a scarcer commodity in Colorado, do you get any pushback or flack for exporting a lot of that water uh, as part of the, as part of the beer?
1: I know that we've gotten flack. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's come up. I think that people realize, um, you know, the economic benefit that we bring to the area. Um, there are over 120,000 people who visit the brewery um, in Fort, our brewery in Fort Collins every year. So, you know, we we feel like we're giving back hopefully, to our watershed in different ways. Um, We are very sensitive to it, and I think that's why New Belgium will, uh, you know, kind of be first at the front of the line saying, you know, we want to conserve water, we want to protect water quality, um, we want to be respectful of the fact that our livelihoods, you know, over 500 people work for New Belgium, depend on the quality and quantity of the water that comes out of the Rocky Mountains.
0: And did that issue have any um, impact on the decision to locate a brewery in Asheville, North Carolina?
1: Yes. We certainly wouldn't want to have chosen a home where our water use would have had detrimental impacts on other, other folks who depended on water in that area.
0: In terms of sustainability, could you uh, expand on some of the, some of the issues again, broadly uh, from, you know, you mentioned the energy water nexus, uh, and because when you save energy, you're, in effect, saving water. Can What are some of the energy sustainability initiatives that, that New Belgium has undertaken?
1: Yeah, well, uh, we first measured um, the carbon footprint of a six-pack of fat tire um, six or seven years ago, and we published it as soon as we were finished, and we were the first um, brewery, the first consumer package goods company to publish their, an entire carbon footprint, and um, which showed – That packaging is very impactful. Transportation is not as impactful as people think. Refrigeration at retail is impactful. raw materials are. Um, And so I think that gave people good visibility, and it gave New Belgium. It helped us prioritize where do we want to work. So uh, you have total control or almost total control on your operations, but then when you do these footprints, water footprint or carbon footprint, you realize it's your supply chain where there's the most potential for negative or positive impact. And so we spend a lot of our time talking to our suppliers, like talking to the folks who grow barley or grow hops or or our maltsters about their practices. How are they reducing their water use? How are they reducing their chemical use? How are they reducing their energy use? Because ultimately our product is more sustainable if their processes are more sustainable. And that's true for packaging as well. Packaging is very energy intensive to turn sand into glass. Um, And uh, so how can we get more recycled content into the supply chain in order to reduce that energy use. So we're trying to really take a holistic approach of what our impacts
0: are. In terms of New Belgium's activities just in, in the water industry and sustainability and things of that nature, can you talk a little about, about how New Belgium is involved uh, in water issues?
1: Absolutely. Um, so we're it's an interesting place to be because we sit on both sides of the fence. We're heavy water users, and we also are conservationists and wanting to protect Uh, Water sources, and so some of the things that we've done um, is create a campaign called Save the Colorado, uh, which we got other brands, other well-known consumer brands to be involved with, like Patagonia and Cliff Bar and Aspen Ski Company, all companies that rely on Colorado River water for their livelihoods. Um, And we did that, so we we all put money into the campaign, and we donate to nonprofits who are working up and down the Colorado River from. Uh, Granby, you know, up at the, at the Genesis in the mountains of Colorado, all the way down through San Diego, Los Angeles, and, the, uh, and Mexico. Uh, and so we donate money to nonprofits, but part of what we do there is try to make the 30 to 40 million people who depend on the Colorado River for their drinking water aware that they do. Because when we got into this four or five, six years ago, we just, people really don't know where their water comes from. Like they really have no idea when they turn on the tap where the water comes from. And then in the case of the Colorado, how imperiled it is. And, you know, that that water shortages and water wars, quote unquote, could, you know, are a reality in the Southwest or could become so.
0: Mm -hmm. And what kind of impact are you seeing that these these philanthropic and and targeted endeavors are? Are are they are they having the impact you think? they?
1: It's it's hard to measure, but I do believe that they snowball, Um, just like New Belgium's work around promoting um, bicycle transportation, the more people have it in front of them, the more active they get. Just like, you know, you are you you love water issues and you're educating people and, and then people find out about their watershed and they say, oh, what's going on in my backyard? Oh, this this stream near us flows into the Colorado and look at how it's not being protected by the Clean Water Act anymore. We want to get involved in that. So I think it absolutely is a snowball effect as people get, as awareness is raised.
0: What What are some of the other... Uh, you mentioned Save the Colorado. Are there any other philanthropic activities besides just donating money to, mm-hmm. to charities?
1: Um, we are involved with the National Resources Defense Council's Brewers for Clean Water uh, campaign. And the uh, technical expert at NRDC who started the campaign um, actually said that she was inspired to do so by reading a blog that I wrote in the Huffington Post uh, a year and a half ago uh, about the Clean Water Act and the 40th anniversary of the Clean Water Act, and that um, that we needed, we were asking the Obama administration to step up and clarify its uh, jurisdiction and help the EPA administer it, and to say that intermittent and uh, ephemeral and headwater streams should be included in protection. Um, And so, ourselves, along with 40 to 50 other breweries, have signed on and said, in writing letters to President Obama, and say, "Brewing clean water is essential for brewing." Um, There are over 2,400 breweries in the U.S. right now, over 2,500 breweries in the U.S., and I would hazard a guess that that wouldn't be true if people weren't getting clean water all over the country, which wasn't necessarily the case, you know, 40-plus years ago. Are
0: there any other uh, activities that you're involved in?
1: Um, Locally, we have um, helped get some— Irrigation diversions removed from the river that runs through Fort Collins. The Poudre River runs through Fort Collins. And there have been, there's many historic diversions on that river to, you know, for ditch water, some of which are no longer in use, but they stay there and they impede recreation and they impede um, fish, fishery running. So we've worked with our city to get other people involved and to raise the money to get those diversions out and um, hopefully create a kayak park on the river.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. That's uh, how long have you been at that?
1: Uh, um, a couple like of years. It? Yeah. There, um, actually, one of the ditches is in a historic ditch from like the 1860s runs through our property um, at, at the brewery in Fort Collins, and but it's now retired. No one uses the water anymore. So we've been working for years to get that ditch retired. Yeah, <laughs> formally. You know, formally in the right. in the water court.
0: Sure. Way. Well, Jen, thanks very much for spending time with us today. Where can people go to learn more about you and New Belgium?
1: Oh well, it was a great pleasure to be here and have time to talk to you. Uh newbelgium.com. Everything you need to know. Terrific. Facebook and Twitter.
0: Well, that was my interview with Jen Vervier, the director of sustainability and strategic development for New Belgium Brewery in Fort Collins, Colorado. I'm very appreciative of her time and her willingness to come on the Water Values Podcast and be a essentially a guinea pig. I mean, remember, this was the first session I recorded for the Water Values podcast, and she was fantastic throughout the entire process. And, you know, in terms of just the interview, she was just absolutely great. I mean, you, could, you can tell she's been around sustainability issues and water sustainability issues in particular for a long time. And I learned a lot from Jen and hope that when you enjoy that next fat tire, if you're of legal drinking age and always please drink responsibly, I hope that when you enjoy that Next Fat Tire, that you think of all the great information that Jen provided us with in the interview. To me, uh, some of the highlights uh, were learning, uh, number one, that hoppy beers are increasing in popularity in the U.S., and that those beers, those hoppy beers, are much more water-intensive beers to brew than non-hoppy beers. Something else I learned was that Colorado is home to so many breweries because Colorado is a headwater state essentially meaning that uh, because the water is harvested or used so close to its source, it doesn't need the same uh, treatment regimen that uh, breweries farther downstream might need. Uh, the third thing, or the third highlight, uh, I'd say that I got out of that interview with that was that there are so many opportunities for water efficiency in the brewing pro- process. Uh, Jen talked about hard piping. She talked about dry looping the labels. Uh, she talked about a lot of different things. And I think, I think it was fascinating hearing about all the different uh, water-efficient measures they can put into place and that they have found that those water-efficient measures actually help the P&L line, you know, the bottom line of the brewery. Uh, so th- that, to me, was was a, a real important takeaway. Well, what interested you about the interview? Please let me know by posting a comment on the show notes, which will be posted at thewatervalues.com slash pod3. That's thewatervalues.com forward slash pod three. That's P-O-D, then the number three. I also appreciate any of your feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, by emailing me at david at thewatervalues.com, or you can tweet at me at DTM1993. Contact me with suggestions for potential interviewees, water issues you'd like to hear about, or even just to let me know what you liked or didn't like about the podcast. I'm always trying to improve, and I want to deliver the information about water that you want to hear. I appreciate your support by spreading the word about the Water Values Podcast and by providing an honest review on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And I promise you this, I will never turn down a five-star review. In closing, remember the core message of the Water Values Podcast. Water is our most valuable resource, so join me in going out into the world and acting like it.
1: listening to the Water Values podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with us.